In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, talking today about four ways to quarterback your patient's care. But man, this is a great week. Holly Tanner interview. Pelvicon is literally next month. Dude, next month. Jessica and I were like, oh my gosh, it's next month. And then we freaked out a little bit because we still do have like seven weeks or something. So then we started to be okay about it, but then we freaked out for a little. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, if you haven't checked out that Holly Tanner interview, make sure to do that. That was a great conversation with her and she has such an interesting story with all of that. So, that was last week's episode or this Monday's episode. Today we're going to be talking about ways to quarterback your patient's care. We also have something exciting news on an upcoming masterclass all about medical procedures. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll have more information for you on that for next Thursday. But Nicole, quarterbacking your patient's care. I feel like this is one of the things that you've really instilled in our staff here at Public Sanity. It's all about like truly taking radical responsibility for your patients. Yeah, you know, and I think this is something that you know, in PT school, we're told that the patient actually is responsible for their own trajectory of getting better. And while that is true, it's also true that we need to take that responsibility to do everything in our power to set the patient up for the best outcome. And I think sometimes when we shirk that responsibility and we put it back onto our patients too much, then we forget about our own place in the whole game. So it's something that I'm really passionate about. It's something that we talk about ad nauseum here at Pelvic Sanity because it can get down to really the minutia of what you're doing when you're referring somebody. We're going to talk about like four different ways that we really feel like you can do this. You're going to have to forgive our big time analogies. We're going to go analogy heavy here. And like mixed metaphors with sports. And it's it's going to be interesting. We're going to see how this goes. <laughs> Although I will say that the public PT huddle was sort of, it was based off of a sports analogy of... Do people know this? I don't know, actually. This was based, I mean, hopefully with like the name, like that's what a huddle is to me. It's like... Yeah, I don't know if it's... The, okay, well, give them, the, give them the genesis. So we were deciding like what to call the huddle right before it was called the huddle. And I was like, we want this place for PTs that are like maybe in their treating and they are like, crap, I don't know what to do. And they come back and we can like huddle up with a bunch of of other public PTs and be like, what's the game plan? What's the game plan? Okay, good. Go break and then go back out to your respective areas and utilize the things that you learned in there. Yeah, where it's like as you plan, you get the idea, hey, you decompress, hey, what just happened on that last thing? You come in, unrelated story, the public PT huddle was founded on a Sunday. Oh, okay. It's like, Another oh, sports metaphor. What are the ideas? But, but 
I think this is one of the cool things of kind of pushing beyond. I think a lot of times it's like the, oh, that's not in my scope, or I'm not an ortho PT, so I shouldn't look at the hip, or I'm not a TMJ expert, so I can't possibly assess the jaw. And it's a really interesting, just as an outside observer to the field, it's really interesting as like a self-limiting behavior because you guys know so much about so many different things and have so many different ways to help people. And I feel like I see a lot of, ooh, well, I shouldn't do that, or I'm not the perfect expert in, we had one of our PTs once said something like this, of like, oh, this person has a ton of pelvic floor dysfunction, but they also have scoliosis. I need to send them to a scoliosis person. It's like that person's had scoliosis for 30 years. They've been to every scoliosis person. Like, can we look beyond that? It's not just like sending them someplace else, but taking responsibility. How do you manage that juxtaposition, Nicole, of taking responsibility while still acknowledging your own limitations and where you can and can't help. I don't know. I just feel like we just need to remember that we're physical therapists first and we are ortho PTs second because most of us got a ton of ortho and neuro training in PT school. And then we are pelvic PTs third, pelvic PTs and OTs third. So it's like, and in, you got to look at the patient in front of you. So if they're primarily seeing you for a pelvic health related symptom, then it is your responsibility to treat that to the best of your ability in your expertise level. And if you need to look at the thoracic spine with somebody that has scoliosis as it relates to their pelvic floor issue, then you do it. And if you get stuck, then you can collaborate with somebody. You can ask someone questions. You can go to the huddle. You can see, is it necessary for me to send that person to that expert? That's different than somebody comes in for upper back pain or shoulder dysfunction with somebody with scoliosis, right? That's Now that's getting the primary symptom is like outside of our area of expertise. And sure, that person might not be the best fit at a pelvic health clinic because they don't have primary pelvic health symptoms. So it's just one example of a way that we don't have to be the perfect fit. We've had this also at our clinic when it's like, oh, I think I need to send this person to a running expert. And I'm like, well, have you even looked at their run? (laughs) And they're like, oh, no. And I was like, well, why don't you just first see what you see? Because you're the one that's going to be able to distill that down into how it relates to the pelvis and pelvic floor and the pelvic floor symptoms that they're experiencing. So it doesn't mean that we can't send the patient to another place, but it is a responsibility that we have to use our knowledge in the context of what the patient might be experiencing. And this is, I think, another really interesting thing. And just looking at our overall medical system, like why is it important for you guys to take responsibility to quarterback your patient's care? And really the answer is because no one else is going to do it. And if you look at, I mean, there's all those studies out there, right? The average visit with a physician is 15 minutes and you get to talk for 11 seconds before being interrupted. And if you even just think about it in terms of like time, The amount of time you spend with somebody over even like a 12-visit plan of care is literally more time than they're going to spend with a physician their entire life. Seriously. That's like 48 physician visits worth. Like, it's just not happening, right? They go to the urologist. What does the urologist say? Try this. Come back in three months, months, six months, next year for another 15-minute check-in. And they don't have the time capacity to be able to actually do that. So there's this huge need for that to happen. And I think we see this a lot with, especially some of our out of town or more complex patients, they feel like everyone in the medical system is only looking at their individual part. And almost by choosing where they go, they're involuntarily choosing what their 
choices are going to be, what their direction. See this a ton in IC, right? If you go to a urologist with IC, 99% are going to start on bladder-focused things. Why? Because you went to a bladder expert. If you went to that same person, went to a pain management doctor, their whole experience would be different. And so those folks are not the ones who are looking at that big picture and actually guiding their care, saying, what's the biggest bang for the buck? What's driving these things? Where should they actually go? Everyone's just looking at their individual piece. And even the PCP, who objectively should be that quarterback of the medical care, doesn't necessarily do a great job of this either because of what Jesse said back with time, right? So we actually are the best little primary care providers for people's musculoskeletal, neuromuscular, pelvic floor dysfunctions and symptom presentations. And because we have such a cool and unique specialty in rehab, we have been trained in the medical model of who is the best. We understand how hospitals work. We understand how the medical system works. It's actually a great skill. Have you ever had a family member become sick or something like that? Most of the time, they're looking to us if you don't have anybody else in the medical field in your family, because we do know more about that. We've spent time in our clinical rotations in hospitals. We understand the whole medical model. And so that can be super valuable information to help quarterback your patient's pelvic floor dysfunction care. All right. So how do you actually do this and only using sports metaphors? (laughs) Here it is. Here's four ways to quarterback your patient's care. One is to see the field. What do you mean by this, Nicole? What does it mean to see the field? All right. So as a quarterback or a point guard, as I was in basketball, what you have to do is make sure to have that view of the entire field. You have to have the entire medical model in your vision field so that you can appropriately direct somebody in the areas that they need to go or tell them to freaking stay put. As a point guard, sometimes it was like, stand right here, (laughs) be a screen for somebody, right? So it is really important to see the whole thing. And another metaphor would be like to have a 10,000 foot view of your patient's care, where they've been. We know a lot of their backstory. We know a lot of any um, trauma or abuse history that they might have. If that's something that's impeding their care, we know the challenges of even their scheduling challenges with kids and everything else. So we know so much more about that individual person than somebody in like a PCP might. So we need to be able to see the whole field and see the whole view of the patient's care. And that also goes for, can even go down and distill it down a little bit more into we need to see the whole body. We need to make sure that we're not just looking right at the pelvis so that we can pick up on things that might need other expert care. Things like sleep and nutrition and the emotional part and do they have support and all of those other things that really no one else has the time or ability or desire, frankly, to ask about. Like you guys get all of that because you actually get the time with people. And this is why that masterclass that you're going to be doing, Nicole, is going to be so important on medical procedures and actually understanding that side because you can't see the field if you don't understand how everything interconnects and how everything works. So you have to have a good idea of what those medications do, what these procedures are good for, and what they're not for. Because otherwise, you're just kind of guessing at that whole side of the field. You can't see any of that. So that's one, is see the field. Number two is distribute the ball or know your personnel. This is probably one of my favorite ones, Nicole. I think you and I both had similar 
the experiences with this playing basketball, what does it mean to know your personnel and distribute the ball? So as a quarterback in football or as a point guard in basketball, you are responsible for handing off the ball to your teammates. And one of the biggest epiphanies that I ever had was I was at a game and I had like a ton of assists, but I also had a ton of turnovers. And my dad and I were debriefing after the game and I was blaming everybody else for my number of turnovers because 90% of them weren't, in my opinion, my mistake, right? I was putting the ball perfectly and it would hit Katie in the face because she wasn't paying attention, even though it was like a perfectly placed pass right under the basket. How could you not just put your hands up, Katie? Come on, man. (laughs) So, and my dad said one time, you know, you've got to know your personnel. Katie can't catch, we're shit. So it was like, it was my responsibility to put the ball where, when Katie was open and where Katie could actually catch the damn ball. And so it really is important to make sure that you put your patient in the best possible position to be successful. And that's our job. How that ends up going is, you know, make sure that you're not giving them 8 million exercises. Make sure that if they don't have the capacity to see that pain science is going to be some of the biggest game changer for them, then you can't talk about it right now because they're not ready to receive it. And so you can't just throw things at people and expect them to be like, well, I told you so. It's your fault if you're not going to pay attention to me because they might not be ready and they might not be capable, quite frankly. And so sometimes we have to have patience. And going back to number one is seeing the whole field and understanding the entire timeline and that we have more time to not have everything perfect in the right manner and make sure that you're, you are helping to put them in the best position to succeed, to catch the damn ball. Absolutely. And not throwing too much at them too hard to whatever it is. I, I love that being it's your responsibility. If you've got a big guy coming down on the break and you give him the ball at the three-point line, what's going to happen? Nothing good is going to happen. Right. And uh, you end up looking like the bad, right? My stats were like, you sure? She's got a lot of assists and a lot of points and a lot of three-pointers. But like also, well, that, you know, my turnover stat was terrible until the next time. I don't think I had a big turnover game quite ever because I changed my view on that. And this also goes into referring with purpose. And I think this is one of the the better analogies with that is know your personnel when you're referring somebody out. And this is why you don't believe, Nicole, that you can just say, hey, go back to your urologist. Hey, why don't you find a pain management person? Hey, why don't you go and see if you can find somebody who can help you with the emotional side of what's going on because you got a trauma history. Like, that's not enough. No, absolutely not. I mean, even just right around here. Like, if I told somebody that had IC to go find a urologist around here, number one, I know exactly where they would end up. They'd either end up at this big urology practice where no one cares, where I've literally had to talk to, there's one person, I think, out of the 15 doctors at that practice that even knows what IC is and doesn't think that it's in people's heads. And then if a patient, if I were just to be like, hey, find the best urologist around, guess who they'd probably find? Freaking Dr. Parsons, who's in San Diego, who freaking created Almiron and that causes eye damage and that's all he prescribes. So it's like we have to also understand who we're referring to and know your personnel and when we're having our patients go out 
and get care in the medical sense. We have to know, which means that the I refer I see patients to a urogynecologist who doesn't really even specialize that much in pelvic pain anymore, but she freaking listens to people and she listens to me. And so it's that's where the patient is going to be put in the best position to succeed is at that person's place. And you're prompting the patient too. It's not just go to this urogynecologist. It's, hey, we're having this specific issue that might be A or B. Here are the questions to ask your urologist or your urogynecologist. Can you go and find out this information and report back to me? And so that's like in a game, that's like during a free throw, we're huddling up and being like, okay, they're going to inbound the ball in that place. I need us to go into a one, two, one, one, like immediately. Like, so we have a problem, right? They're going to start a press. Then we have the, okay, break, let's go execute. And then we come back into the next time that we have a huddle and be like, okay, well, how did that go? Did that go great? What else do we need to do to make, need to make changes? What happened? Right? So it's not just, oh, you need to go to your urologist or your gastroenterologist because you have bloating after eating. It's, hey, this is the questions that I want you to ask. And these are the things that you should be getting from that person. Report back to me what happened. And then we can come up with a different game plan if that went awry, or we're going to stick to that game plan if the person was awesome. Perfect. Number three, make a game plan. Speaking of game plans, what does this mean, Nicole, when you're talking about making a game plan for your patient? So this is partly done with if you're in the sports world, like the quarterback isn't making the entire exact game plan. You have a coach for that, which might be like a mentor or the huddle or something like that for us pelvic floor peeps. But what I want you to also remember is that we are really responsible a lot of times because of all the things that we've talked about before, the time issues and stuff like that, and just the lack of knowledge in general in the medical field of pelvic floor musculoskeletal and neuromuscular diagnoses, it's our responsibility to make a game plan for that patient. We have to be willing and able to actually tell the patient what we think is going on from our perspective. And a lot of times this bits gets some pushback when I say that because they're like, oh, well, we can't really diagnose. And it's like, right, we can't make a medical diagnosis, but we sure as shit can make a physical therapy diagnosis or an occupational therapy diagnosis, we can have a neuromuscular and musculoskeletal diagnosis for our patients. That's our jam. So what does that mean? That means to actually identify the tissue at fault and the other reasons why that tissue might be playing a factor in those patient, in that patient's symptoms. And we have to look outside the pelvis for this a lot of the times And then we have to make a game plan based on that 10,000 foot view or seeing the whole field of that patient's life and being like, now, now that we know that this pelvic floor issue is caused by these pelvic floor muscles because of this something outside the pelvis as it relates now to this biopsychosocial issue, now what are we going to do about that? That's what are we going to prioritize? What are we going to run first? What plays are we going to do first? What's our halftime goal? What do we got? You know, what's our full court press if we need one, right? So we need to have like an entire game plan for the patient in front of us. And that's our job. Cool. So that's the game plan. And finally is don't give up. And I like this one is a, just something to remember as we talk about this from a sports analogy, right? You're not guaranteed to be winning the entire game. In fact, a lot of games, you're going to be down at some points. You're going to be going on runs. Like there is 
very rarely where you lead from beginning to end all the way through. Like, don't give up. Right. You don't see Tom Brady ever thinking, like, throwing in the towel at quarter three when they're down by two touchdowns. Like, as the quarterback of the patient's care, as the point guard, you don't see Steph Curry ever believing that he's going to lose, Michael Jordan, Kobe, all those people never, ever believed that they were going to fail. And so we can't give up on our patients just because things aren't going our way or the patient's way at the very beginning. Things are hard. And I mean, even just look at the freaking Warriors had like a terrible couple of years and then ended up winning a championship this year. So there's a lot of room for the quarterback, the point guard to make sure that the entire team is not giving up. And it's not good enough for you just to not give up. You have to help your teammates, in this case, the patients and all the other people that are on the multidisciplinary team, also not give up on the end game. And so that is really, really, really important. And I see a lot of us sometimes being like, if it's not fitting into this perfect ideal of six to eight visits, they should be 90% better and achieving some of their goals and doing all of their home program, then we're like, well, come back when you're ready. That's basically forfeiting the game at that point and being like, well, let's just pick another date when you're ready to play. And it's like, well, they are ready to play. Are you? Is really the biggest thing. Yep. And if you're letting insurance dictate that, that's exactly what's happening, right? Is whether or not we want to think of it that way, that's literally giving up. It's, hey, we're, we have not gotten to where we need to be, but hey, we're down. The insurance company is breathing down our neck and they've run out of their allotted plan of care. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah, man. The insurance company is like an asshole referee that just wants to get out of there. They just want to get out, right? So you guys know I'm an NCAA basketball referee. I've taken a couple of years off, but dude, that's exactly what that is. It's not the insurance company is like a terrible, terrible old man referee that is just like barely able to get up and down the floor. And he's blowing his whistle just to get the game over when you're like, hey, hang on a second. What the hell? Like we still have time. That's not the rule. What's going on? Oh, I love that. That's actually a great analogy. We're gonna have to suss that out in a whole nother episode. But for those of us who weren't referees and who just played the game, you know what we also called asshole referees? Referees. That's it. You don't, <laughs> yeah, you guys, the asshole is unnecessary. You don't guys. have to be a referee to understand. You guys have all been fans probably yelling at people like me, like out of your freaking minds. Don't think I don't hear you people. Just because we ignore you doesn't mean we don't hear what you're freaking saying. All right, Nicole. So that's it. So it is see the field, distribute the ball, make a game plan, and don't give up. Those are four ways that you can quarterback your patient's care. And then, Nicole, talk to me real briefly. We're going to be announcing and opening for sale the Masterclass next Thursday on the 11th of August. But talk to me just real briefly. How does that fit into this game plan? How does that fit into distributing the ball? It's knowing your personnel of who is the best person to perform medical procedures for your patients and referring with purpose that we talked about in whatever number that was. But a lot of times I think that we're like, oh, well, they're not, our patients aren't getting better and they do need some medical attention or help. So just go over here. So what we need to do is we need to understand, we need to take a step back and look upstream a little bit and be like, well, if we understood the choices that, uh, that our patients could have, with things like trigger point, how do you know if someone should do a trigger point injection versus Botox or ganglion of impar block or inferior hypogastric plexus block? We have to understand what those are so that we can match those procedures that have the potential to help our patients 
with the, the symptom presentation in front of you. And so the masterclass is going to be going over all of, or a lot of, not all of them, but the most common used medical procedures to help our patients with mostly pelvic pain. Um, I've gotten a couple of questions on things like Botox for the bladder and inner stem and stuff like that. Remember you guys that I also have the IC course, which goes into interstitial cystitis and bladder-based medical procedures and medications for people with interstitial cystitis. So whether or not those will be in there, I'm not sure yet, but we are going to go over a ton of how do you refer well and how do you essentially recommend some of those procedures to your patient and to the provider to do that. So we'll be taking responsibility there a lot. Yes, all about taking that responsibility. So that is going to be exciting. We'll have more details and that will actually open up for it's going to be first come first serve. There is limited seating there. That will open up next Thursday, August 11th. We'll have more details coming out for you on that. But it's basically going to be like an hour. Usually runs a little bit longer. Q&A at the end. Bite size really gets to the heart of the matter. You know exactly what you're going to be getting from that. And it will be live. You'll be able to be on and ask questions. There will also, as always, be a replay because it is 2022. So please do not ask us if there will be a replay. There will be if you register for that. So that's all that. It'll be 47 bucks, and you can just blow through it in an evening. It's going to be awesome to actually know all of that stuff so that you can guide your patients and take more responsibility. So guys, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Let us know how you think of this and quarterbacking your care. Is there anything that you have some pushback on where you're saying, oh, that's not in our scope. I don't feel comfortable with that. Let us know because we always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.